welcome to Cody Cast. This is Cody Allen's podcast. You know him as the food and wine expert on Queer Eye on Netflix. Also a new book out called Anthony in the Kitchen. Anthony Porowski is here with us in Nashville. And I, I assume this is your first time here. I was trying to figure it out because I, I have done like university um, speaking tours. I have never been to Nashville before. Okay. And I have to say, I was just at a book signing and I was shocked at how lively and cheerful and happy everyone is here. Uh-huh. Like everyone is so kind. What's up? Like I don't even understand it right now because I feel like we're all miserable from the heat. It's been, I'm telling you, it's September. It's supposed to be pumpkin spice weather, and it's not. We are not there. I'm in full denial, though. But everyone is in such a good mood and so polite. It's like you guys are almost Canadian. <laughs> that was a humble brag. <laughs> so uh, you're playing tonight. Yes. Which is super exciting. And uh, we want to get to the cookbook and all kinds of fun questions about Queer Eye and so on. But I do want to ask, like, when people go to see this tour tonight, what is that like? I'm cooking, so I'm going to be doing a little food demo. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have somebody um, help me with said <laughs> demo, and then um, and then I'm just going to have like a nice little panel discussion and sort of talk about the book. Q and A. Yeah, like a little Q and A session. All right. Well, that a sounds super little fun. Little fun games mixed in between, and yeah. it's a very it's not something that anybody would typically do for a cookbook, but mine. Um, because I am a pathologically sensitive and emotional <laughs> guy. Um, mine is very much like a, it's a culinary memoir. So it's like dishes that have shaped me basically. So yeah. well, there's a lot of like backstory and happy, sad stuff in there. I've read every word. Uh, it's a big book. Uh, <laughs> there's a, th- what was your favorite word? Butternut. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, I love. I do love a good butternut squash soup. Who's with me on this, people? Come on now. Uh, and I did. Who doesn't? I mean, it's so good. If it, it did feel like fall, it would be the perfect soup for today. It is the, it is the perfect soup for a September day in Nashville it when really it's 105. Is. Yeah. And I also love some of the. Uh, listen, there's a ton of photos of Anthony in here as well. So no shortage of those. There's yeah. So uh, and here you are buying actual squash. You're buying some gourds. I am. Du- oh my gourd! I am double fisting butternut squash um, <laughs> with my little tote in New York, my happy place. Okay, was this post or? I swear. Okay, so Paul Brisman, who's a photographer for the book, he used to he photographed like a bunch of um, a bunch of punk bands way back then, and he's like this yeah. ex rock and roller type, and he is the most badass photographer I've ever worked <laughs> with. We were fully in the middle of Canal Street, and he was like jumping up on hydrants and like trying to take photos <laughs> while I was walking. Really? So it was like kind of distracting, like knowing usually a photographer is good at not letting you know that they're not really there, uh-huh. but it was like very painfully obvious that he was as he was like jumping around, but. Not Nothing was really, except the photos where I'm directly looking into the camera. None of those are, are really posed. He's very like he's he's very much like a photojournalist. It's awesome. Uh, great photography, and I can tell not only are there obviously recipes and Anthony in the kitchen, but also great stories behind some of these recipes mm-hmm. and really about your life, right? Yeah, it's, like you said, sort of a what'd you call it? It's like a culinary memoir. Culinary I mean, memoir. it's all dishes. You know, I, I I sort of plead my case with all the with every single one of the hundred recipes. Like they've all had some kind of an important role in my life. I mean, I don't bake. I love mm. a sweet, but mm-hmm. I, even though I'm salty over sweet, but like my dessert section, for example, is like an homage to all the women and men who've made desserts for me growing up. And then I have um, recipes in there that 
um, that I made during like a lovely seven year relationship that I had with, with, with someone very special whose family taught me unconditional love. Um, and it was food that I made for them and, and food that I ate when I was like a broke ass student and I had like no money and I was overdrafting my TD bank account and paying that $37 fee and asking my dad to send me a check and he didn't know how to wire or use his app so he would have to mail me a check which would take a week and a half. Um, like I said, it's a lot of happy sad. Um, so um, What's that recipe by the way? Where, where, um, that would definitely be the white butter beans with um, sort of like this nice herby tomato mm-hmm. sauce uh-huh. which literally costs like $3 to make and I ate it all the time and then my very favorite, I'm obsessed with peas. I just, I don't know what it is about them. I just love them. I saw that because rule number 10 here, frozen peas for president. Well, because they definitely should if they were human, and I will anthropomorphize <laughs> them as long as I need to until they become president. Um, I just, I, I, peas are something that I remember, like, they're literally a dollar a bag, and I used to come mm-hmm. home from from, rehe- from rehearsals. I was in theater school for two years in New York, and um, and I'd have, like, a bag of frozen peas. I would thaw them out with some really good butter, put yeah. some Malden salt and fresh mint, and that's something that I still do when I come back from whether I'm filming Queer Eye or touring or whatever it is that I'm doing. I come home and I want a meal in five minutes. It reminds me of the person I was when I first moved to New York. And like food is sentimental. It's emotional. It's nostalgic. It's all of these things. And I think sometimes it's important to revisit like recipes that you had when you were a kid too. Do you have a favorite recipe? I know it's hard to narrow it down to one in the book. but um, Today, um, in lieu of the weather, <laughs> um, I think I would pick uh, Poland's version of gazpacho, which is... Uh, we're known for borscht, which is yep. like a beet soup that is very hot that has these little dumplings in it. But the, the chilled borscht version is like bright pink. It looks radioactive. <laughs> and there's a hard-boiled egg and sour cream, which I love, and pickles and cucumber. And it's this like refreshing soup that just mm. wakes you up, and it's the most thirst-quenching thing ever. Wow. Yeah. Let's go back to the broke days for a second. Okay. And I'll, I want to get back to the mantras in the book. I mean, you've yes. got some great top ten mantras I want to talk about. But uh, how did Queer Eye and the call to be the food and wine cuisine guy how did that change everything um i mean it it changed my life um i remember exactly where i was the day that i got that call it was rob eric one of the show creators i was working in a gallery at the time i've had a lot of jobs um i think that's why they had a bit of confusion when they were casting the show because they knew that i was obsessed with food but i studied psychology i was an actor Mm -hmm. i worked in a gallery um spoke many languages and like i was a little all over the place i'm very add and, um, and so I was working this gallery job. I was about to sell this very specific piece of furniture. It was um, a French Art Deco side cabinet that Andy Warhol used to own. And I was about to make a really big commission, but I got the call and I was like, holy crap, I've been waiting for this call for three weeks. Yeah. And <clears throat> they basically told me to sit down and ask me if I wanted to be part of the family. And I was just sort of like flushed and, and freaked out. And I called my boyfriend at the time and he came to pick me up. And then we were going home to Brooklyn that day and we were on the subway um, listening to music and then we just like both looked at each other and smiled and it's like I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen and I didn't know if it was going to be a big show or just right. an homage to the original but like I knew that my life was about to change and yeah. it was this and it literally did it was like a zero to hundred overnight situation it would be one thing to sort of restart the show or reboot the show um, it's another to like recreate it and I think you guys have done that where- yeah I think it's a different show altogether I mean I had the benefit I weirdly worked as a personal assistant to Ted Allen the original the OG food oh, and wine really guy well. okay. and, and, and the first iteration of the show it was definitely more humor driven it was funny mm-hmm. and it was entertaining I think I don't think people were ready to, to, to deal with some of the stories and the things that we address in, in, in the Netflix version of it but um, yeah I mean it's a show all about heart and vulnerability and opening yourself up to, to, to other people and sort of having that conversation. 
And I cry. I mean, am I the only one? Do I? I cry every episode every of Queer Eye. I mean, I do too. Yeah. It's like it's, it's. It gets me every time. I'm like, how can you not? Like these are perfect strangers <laughs> who are opening yeah. up about things that they've never really shared before. And... I'm about to cry right now just thinking about it. I mean, <laughs> seriously. And I only came out a couple of years ago myself. I don't know. I know some of your story, and so. It was freeing to me to see, and it, it always is, anytime I've met anyone else who's gay, like it's like, oh, there's someone kind of is like me. And right. there's something reassuring about that. Even if you're not, right. you can kind of see you know, humans just being completely real, which is so awesome. Like for some of us, uh, some of my castmates, like our, our sexuality comes at the forefront of who we are, and for others it doesn't. Yep. For me, it never really did. It was just always assumed that I was straight. And I would just share with people sort of like, one by one. I never really had like a big coming out situation. And what I like about the show is that we're not pushing any agenda. This isn't, we don't treat every episode as an opportunity to right. talk about gay stuff. Like right. if it comes up and if our hero has a question, awesome. Yeah. I'm there to talk about it. But at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm here to show you how to show up for your family and yourself. Like the other stuff can come up. Like it's, yeah. it's not like the main, it's not, it's not like the, the main MO or the, right. the goal at hand. Authenticity seems to be the main MO yeah. to me. And if it, like you said, if it brings you around to some of those topics, even better. But mm -hmm. it's not the central focus. Right. Um, what have you sort of learned about yourself in the journeys you've been watching other people go through? Um, I mean, it's been an exponential growth curve in terms of <laughs> literally everything in my life. <laughs> I'm, um, I'm somebody, I'm the type of person who, I'm very Canadian. Um, there's an expression we like, apologize for taking up air in the room mm -hmm. when we walk in. And I'm very sort of... I've never really been good at addressing my needs because I'm a people pleaser and I need everyone to love me. Mm. Um, and in with public life, you know, it's actually impossible to have everyone love you. Um, <laughs> so I've kind of like it's it's directed me to sort of like sort of stay in my own lane. But in terms of the heroes, um, just in terms of like meeting somebody who's a parent, meeting somebody like Mama Tammy who. Um, changed her whole perception on how she viewed her son based on, you know, the church that she was raised in, it sort of showed me that, like, family dynamics can always change. I was raised in a very dysfunctional family. Um, growing up, I was extremely close to my biological mother and my middle sister, and now it's the reverse. I'm very mm -hmm. close with my father and my oldest sister, um, but the reverse isn't true. Um, but family dynamics can change, and I'm, I'm sort of more open to that now, and it's just... Um, yeah, it's it's completely like the vulnerability that these people have and, and, and their willingness to share about everything. I came on that show and I told myself, I'm not going to talk about gay stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to ever bring it up. And then lo and behold, fourth episode, we have our lovely hero, AJ, who never had a chance to come out to his uh, father. Dude, that episode. So he came. I lost, my, I lost my mind. Yeah, me too. Um, and so he came out to his stepmom. And he wanted to talk about sexuality. And then suddenly I was like, oh, well, this is an opportunity to talk about the fact that I actually don't identify as gay. Um, I've been in more relationships with women than I've been with men. I've been in love with women. Um, and so I think the closest word to it, at least for now, because I hate boxes and I think I'm just a rebel at heart um, <laughs> or I'm just an, a brat. Um, but um, I've always considered myself as fluid. And then I was like, OK, great. Well, if he's going to tell us about his life, I have to do the same. You can't expect somebody to open up about everything that they're going through and just sit there and be preachy. You're taking the show to Japan or perhaps you already have. I guess the episodes have been filmed. We did. Point. They're filmed. They're, they're coming filmed out November first. I can't wait. I think November 1st, yes. Okay. I almost, I just got a bit of back sweat because I always say things that I'm not supposed to say. Netflix is very secretive, as we know. Right. But that's fine. The, the, the secret's out, so it's, I'm not getting in trouble for this. All right. 
Well, this is an interesting concept because obviously it's Japan, so it's a completely different take on what you guys do. But how will this uh, series be different this, this season? Yeah, um, I was uh, I was intimidated going in because of uh, the obvious language barrier, mm -hmm. and then we had a, a lovely translator who sort of um, held our hands throughout the whole process. And um, I think everyone's going to be really like we really. It's incredible how there are so many similarities in terms of the human experience and what we're going through. Mm -hmm. But when you add to that sort of like the cultural nuances and the differences in how people um, express their love, for example, like in Japanese culture, if you go to any single store, like you go to a 7-Eleven, if you see the packaging, yes, I'm going to bring it up because I bring it up anytime I can. The egg salad sandwich at 7-Eleven and Lawson is the best egg sandwich you will ever have in your life. It is crustless. The yolks are amazing. The mayo is like a nice bright yellow. <laughs> They're just so good. But the packaging is just so beautiful and they take care into every single thing that they do and that's how they show their love. Whereas in the US, we're a lot more comfortable giving hugs and giving words of affirmation mm -hmm. so it's um it's interesting to see like when you come up to somebody um in japan like one of the heroes and you tell them something like i think what you're doing is really beautiful or thank you for being vulnerable and they just they lose their shit because like no <laughs> one's ever said anything like that before right. yeah and they're just like in total shock and like before you know it it's just a snot crying fest <laughs> well i can't wait to watch it me too. Uh, I haven't seen it either. Yeah, Netflix doesn't show us. I'll probably see it when you do. You'll see the edits before they go out? No. Oh, they send it to us literally like a day or two before they come out. Yeah. But also, I'm being a brat, but like I don't really like to watch myself, so it's not like I'm going to really watch it anyway. I was going to get to that. Like, Is it something you – do you watch every episode and like kind of pick apart like, oh, I could have <clears> said this better or – Um. Yes, absolutely, all the time. <laughs> I mean, look, these scenes take three – People pleaser, right? People 100%, pleaser. Yeah. but also severe pathological control freak. Uh -huh. um, so the, these scenes, they take three to four hours. And especially with like the methodology of a recipe, something that's a little more complex, it's like a lot of things get cut out. It's impossible to do the whole thing in two minutes and you want to get certain beats in. So I've sort of learned to like let go and let God and like <laughs> trust the editing team who does a fantastic job. Um, and I just kind of stay in my lane and it's, it's best when I don't watch it. <laughs> well, they always make you look good, that's for sure. Um, they Taylor's, do a great job. Yeah, Taylor Swift, uh, her video, uh, You Need to Calm Down, yeah. you're a part of. And of course, Taylor connects to our little world here. Mm -hmm. So what was it like that day? It looked like a circus. She's, a, okay, <laughs> I just, I love her so much. I've had like the opportunity to meet um, a lot of my idols and people that I've that I've looked up to, and a couple times with certain people, sometimes you get disappointed. Um, who, and who meeting her? No, I'm not. We're not oh, going there. Okay. Um, that's not my brand. It's <laughs> not why I'm here. Not falling for that one. Um, but um, but Taylor is just like what she does. What I knew about her before is like what she does for her fans, and I think no other talent does that. Mm -hmm. Um, the amount of like commitment and like dedication and like attention she gives to people who um, love her and her music, but to see the way that she behaves on a set, I think is like a true sort of like testament to the person that she is. It could not have been more of a collaborative process. It was all kindness. Meanwhile, it was an extremely stressful situation mm. because there's like pap helicopters everywhere. Going to pee, which I do every 10 minutes because I drink so much coffee and drink a lot of water and have the smallest bladder in the world. Thanks, mom and dad, um, from a genetic standpoint. Um, they would like walk us with umbrellas to the urinals and it was just like very, like everything was just so kind of like calculated and sort of like mm -hmm. on a very strict timeline because they had so much talent on the yeah. set. Um, and she just could couldn't have been nicer and sweeter and she she has the best taste in music and you know what you didn't ask for it but let's talk about her album my favorite songs right now and okay. they change every week okay. 
Um, <laughs> Cornelia Street is really speaking to me. All right. Death by a Thousand Cuts yeah. destroyed me Amazing, when I finally right? like yeah. actually listened to the lyrics because at first it was just catchy and then yeah. it was like boom. Um, and Archer is still my number one. Really? Yeah. I'm one of those Taylor Swift fans and I have to listen to a song oh, several times mm -hmm. because they're so deep. There's yes. so much there. And you don't, you know, if it's not that hooky catchy thing in the beginning that, that gets right. you you have to really study it yep i, I immediately go for the ballads or the sadder stuff right off right off the bat because that's sort of like i'm a sad boy like that's my <laughs> that's my leaning that's my inclination uh, but um I, I just think it's such an excellent yeah. album and i'm like i'm just so proud of her and she has great taste in music she yeah. loves the national too Anyone yes. who loves the national, it's like somebody who, who likes dogs. It's like, I immediately respect you. <laughs> it's true. Have you ever met a bad dog person? Dog never. people are the best. Correct. <laughs> Cat people, never mind. Um, We're not bringing that up. In the book, you do have your, uh, your top 10 culinary <laughs> mantras. I mentioned one of them, which is frozen peas for president. Uh, and I have, a, I think what I think is my favorite of these, but which one do you think is the most important mantra when it comes to cooking? Um, <clears throat> let's remember these 10 <laughs> mantras. I think it would actually be, because now I'm thinking of um, Taylor and um, a lot of her music, I think uh, French omelets are romantic. Okay. Yes. That is one, right? I'm not wrong. French omelets <laughs> are romantic. Yes, like number It nine. is there, number okay, nine. yeah. I like number two. Don't put too much pressure on yourself. I think a lot of people do that in the kitchen, 100%, right? because cooking is supposed to be fun. It's supposed mm. to be calm and meditating. And for somebody who's as manic as I am and running around all the time, the thing I most look forward to, like my ultimate luxuries these days are one, sleeping in my own bed, and two, actually cooking in my own kitchen. Yeah. And like being at home and preparing a meal and busting on some Miles Davis or Maggie Rogers yeah. or whatever it is and like listening to just good music and waiting for friends or someone to come home. Um, and cook for is like the ultimate that's like the ultimate thing and it should be an enjoyable experience and I feel like you bring that on Queer Eye to uh, those who you're working with and working you know uh, helping their, their lives progress uh, it is that calming sort of Anthony spirit you know what I'm talking about just that that calmness that I feel like you bring and and that joy in the kitchen that mm. I think a lot of people are missing because you know it's just so much easier to go to yeah. fast food well, and by the way is there a is there a chain restaurant uh -huh. that you will go to? A chain restaurant that yeah. I will go to? Um, yeah. Or fast food for that matter. So my very favorite, number one, if I had to pick, um, would be Shake Shack. Oh, yeah. And here's my order. <laughs> a Shack Stack. Okay. Um, but add a beef patty because there's only one and it's really thin. And there's like a portobello mushroom burger that's stuffed with gouda and it's deep fried and it just mm. oozes out and it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Although sometimes gouda could be a tad saltier. But anyway, um, <laughs> the buns are perfect. And then I would have a 10-piece chicken nugget situation with mm. the honey mustard and the barbecue sauce because mm. the barbecue sauce is tangy. It has the right level of acid. And that would have whatever milkshake they have available there because they're awesome. <laughs> and I'm usually not one for fries unless it's poutine, which is a French-Canadian classic with gravy and cheese curds. Mm -hmm. But there I would really... Um, I would really mess up some waffle <laughs> fries with the cheese sauce. Wow. Like get some extra cheese sauce on the side. You've clearly thought this through. I'm sorry, I'm not done. And also the, um, I forgot I forgot the name of it, but it's the hot dog that has um, the onion and the, the, the pickle. It's like the one with the chopped uh -huh. veggies on it. It's yeah. just fantastic. Wow. What's the biggest mistake as you're coming across people on the show or otherwise that people make in the kitchen? What's the first thing you notice? <clears throat> the biggest mistake? Wrong? I think people get too ambitious from the get-go and they want to take on a recipe that's overly complicated. Mm -hmm. 
I do this mistake as well. Like if I have somebody over who I really want to impress, I'll be like, yeah, this is the first time I'm going to try some dish that I've never made before. It is not the time. Like invite your best friends over and then go screw up a recipe so you can test it out a few (laughs) times and get it right. You're probably not going to get it right the first time. Like we're not all Ina Garden. The world just doesn't work that way. Um, But um, I, I say like start off with something really simple and then like, the Italians have it figured out. Yeah. It's a few amount of ingredients, but everything is high quality. It's a little bit of technique, and it's like like pesto. Yeah. Not presto, pesto. Like pesto. I was actually thinking about pesto <laughs> because it's literally just basil, garlic, pine nuts, and parm, and you have one of the most delicious sauces ever. Uh, real quick, switching gears, Karama is going to be on Dancing with the Stars. Yes. Of course, co-star with you on Queer Eye. Um, were you surprised to see him add to the show, or was it like, oh, that's a perfect fit? Um <clears throat> As somebody who basically has two left feet, um, my father is an excellent dancer. I am horrible. For Karamo, zero surprises that he decided to join. He is definitely, he and if I didn't say Jonathan, um, Jonathan would probably um, violently hurt me if I didn't say this, that Karamo and Jonathan are both number one in terms of like dancing and choreography out of the Fab Five. Mm. But Karamo's a little better. <laughs> you didn't hear that, right? Okay, good. <clears throat> Which, by the way, I, I saw your. Uh, you, I think you've taken it down now, but you and Jonathan there for a while were kind of a thing, right? No, it still exists. I think we're. Um, I think we're at three fifty or three hundred sixty thousand followers. Really? As a, yeah, as your couple page. JV Anthony is live and well. Thank I you very it. much, and we will continue to post. <laughs> One of the uh, sidebar things that I love about watching Queer Eye also is um, your shirts. I feel like you've you've got either a really cool shirt on or like a message shirt mm-hmm. and by the way we should say it is a Viacom inclusion week you're helping us kick it off with this chat nice. here so give it up for our Viacom sparkers over here um, that was very enthusiastic yeah. let's give a yeah. real one Woo! there you go do you have a favorite message shirt a favorite yeah. message shirt mmm I think it would be, oh, I think it was in this past season or the one before that. Um, in the first season, I wore a, a shirt by, the thing is like the stylists didn't give me any direction during the beginning. They just wanted it. They described my look or my mood board as like, we want you to be like the New Yorker James Dean type, just jeans right. and t-shirts. So I was yeah. like, great, I'm going to promote bands that I like and books that I like. <laughs> and um, one of the most important books, um, probably the single most important book I've ever read, which destroyed me the two times that I read it is called A Little Life by Hanya Yanagihara. Mm. And um, it's it's a book about four boys who basically grow up, and one of them has dealt with um, uh, some some really difficult stuff. He's been yeah. given some really tough, uh, a tough uh, hand of cards. And although the story itself is very difficult and deals with a lot of issues and things that a lot of us have experienced and gone through, it really is a story about kindness, and it's about three people showing up for somebody and showing them unconditional love, and mm. not unlike Queer Eye, where it's like loving the person until they love themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one that continues to be incredibly important because the amount of DMs that I received and like tweets about people who read the book just because I wore a T-shirt with the four character names, yeah. um, I thought that was that was pretty dope. And also, let's promote female artists in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I wore a, I wore a T-shirt in the last season. Um, one was with Artemisia Gentileschi. I think Frida Kahlo was on there. Uh, Louise Bourgeois or Louise Nevelson, if you like her. But anyway, <laughs> now I'm getting pretentious. Artie, and I forgot who the fourth one is, but that's no offense to that artist. But um, yeah, no, I do like things that have sort of. I'm very attraction versus promotion, and any opportunity now because I'm in this like reality unscripted world where I can sort of voice my opinion if I think it's something that mm-hmm. 
kind of makes people want to be better people, then I'm all for it. Good. You talked earlier about how when you meet people who you've seen on television or people that you admire, you want them to live up to those expectations. And thank you for living up to mine. And I think all of us today. Thank right? I you. Mean, thank you so much. Like, what thank a great you. person you are, truly. You don't want to see me when I'm boarding a flight at 5 o'clock in the morning and I haven't had coffee yet. That's a very different Antony. That is the gremlin zombie me. But um, Well, it's Antony in the kitchen. And today, everyone, I'm like Oprah. You get a book and you get a book and you get a Everyone's going home thank with you the so free much. book today. And see the tour as well. How many dates are you doing that? Um, I think it's a total of 13 wow, plus okay. Canada and the UK as well. Wow, good stuff. One more time for Anthony. Right? Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been Cody Cast. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen anytime on the iHeartRadio app. Cody is heard on hundreds of radio stations across America and seen on CMT Hot 20 Countdown every weekend. For more, go to cmtcody.com.